You guys did awesome. Why don't you turn around and take a seat? Let me squeeze in here. I'm going to sit in my chair and read you a story. You guys were fantastic. Wow. And whose grandson was it up front stealing the show? I don't know. <laughs> Thank you guys for doing this. I'm going to read you a story. Anybody like stories? A couple of you? All good. All good. This one's called How God Decorates Heaven for Christmas. Do you think that God decorates heaven? You think he celebrates every Christmas like we do? Well, let me read you a story from an old friend of mine named Ron Mel, and it's a great story. So listen really well. I might ask you some questions as we go through it. Ready? That very first Christmas, one black, silent night, God lit the whole sky with a star burning bright. And down in a manger, in a stable forlorn, God poured out his love when Jesus was born. God woke up the shepherds, and angels did sing, just like you guys sing, but probably not quite as good as you are. Yeah. Sweet praises of gladness to greet the new king. When angels and stars shine, the Lord decorated. That's how his son's birth was first celebrated. Now, many years later, we want it done right. Who wants Christmas done right? Yeah. But how can we do it like on that first night? Well, we get out the tinsel. We put up our tree. We light up our lights for our neighbors to see. How many of you have Christmas lights up someplace in your house? Outside or inside? Outside, inside. Oh, good. They're both. I like them all. But sometimes I wonder, does God celebrate for Christmas in heaven? Does he decorate? Does God get out tinsel? Does he get a tree? Does he light up lights for all heaven to see? Does God trim his tree with ribbons of rainbow, then swirl it with clouds and splashes of moon glow? That would be cool. Do angels spin silver to flow like a fountain? Do they gather up gold in a shimmering mountain? And do they weave garlands of twinkling starlight to drape about heaven a glorious sight? Do angels thread diamonds on long, long sparkly strings with rubies and emeralds while all heaven sings? Do they make ornaments like birds, bells, and flowers? Then paint them with stardust. Why, that must take hours. Christmas in heaven must be oh so grand. Each star hangs in place so perfectly planned. But, and this is important, listen, something is missing. And something's not right unless we remember that first silent night when angels and shepherds did worship the one who came down from heaven, God's very own son. Who's that? Yeah, that's right. When Jesus was born, that was only the start. The reason he came is to live in your heart. Now Christmas in heaven will be splendid too. God's best decoration in heaven is you. What, what do you think about that? That God's best decoration in heaven is you. The end. You guys like that story? All right, good job. Well, let's give it one more. Buddy. Woohoo! All right, guys. Follow your leader and go that way, I guess. Great job. Well, we've been in a Christmas series for a couple of weeks now, and now called Merry Christmas. Are you kidding? And what we've tried to address are some of the things that don't make Merry Christmas quite so merry. Stress that we have, the chaos of our busyness. Uh, last week I talked about dysfunctional family, which I'm not sure if you could relate to but I know I can, and we all have issues. Sometimes uh, Christmas is the best time of the year. Sometimes it's the most stressful time of the year. And we've tried to take a look at how to kind of get through that with a good attitude, with a godly attitude, and to let God do what he wants in our hearts. 
Uh, this Christmas Adam, which is Tuesday night at 7, and then Christmas Eve at 4 and 6, I'm going to be talking about how to have the best Christmas ever and how to really discover and remember the true meaning of Christmas. And again, like Pastor Matt said, I want to encourage you to be bringers and includers. Invite your friends. Take those flyers and ask them to come. Today I want to zero in, uh, zero in on how to find true joy. And the fact of the matter is I've never met anybody who didn't want to be happy. Even gloomy, grumpy people, somewhere deep down inside them, they want to be happy. They want to experience joy. And the thing that's cool about Christmas, one of the things I love about it, is that it reminds us that Jesus came with the promise of joy. He came with the promise of joy. I'm going to read to you a very familiar passage found in Luke chapter 2. It's the Christmas story, and I'm just going to read a portion of it, starting in verse 8. Listen now for the joy in the story. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. You would be too. But the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. And listen, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The angel said right from the beginning, I bring you good news. This isn't bad news. This isn't just okay news. This is great news. Good news that will be great joy to all people. The promise from that very first night, and the promise still to us is a promise of joy through Jesus, great joy through him. Fast forward about 30 years. You find Jesus on the very eve of his crucifixion. The reason why he came was not just to be with us, but to die for us and then to be raised to new life for us. But on the, 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 the night before, the time before his, his uh, crucifixion here on earth, Jesus had this lengthy conversation with his disciples. And some of my most favorite passages in the Bible, you find them in John 14, 15, 16, and 17. And in John 15, Jesus said this to his disciples. He said, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy would be complete. Jesus said, I've told you about God. I've told you about truth. I've told you about the kingdom. I've told you what you can expect and what's going to happen. He even tried to tell them that he was going to be crucified. They didn't completely understand it, that he's going to come back to life. He said, but I told you this, these things so that my joy would be in you and that your joy would be complete, mature, full, the fact of the matter is, Jesus wants his joy to be ours. And here's another fact. Of all people on the planet of Earth, we Christians ought to be the most joyful people on the planet. Of all people, we ought to be the most joyful. One of my heroes in my life is my late Uncle Les. I'll tell you a little bit about his story. He passed away several years ago. But he was the oldest boy, nine children, and my grandma and grandpa's family. They were farmers in Montana. Uh, my grandfather actually was killed in a hunting accident when my mom, the baby, was in, in the womb. So my mom never knew her, her dad, my grandfather. My uncle Les uh, was not the oldest child, but he was the oldest boy. He was 16 when my grandpa died. And my, my grandma had $10 to her name, $10 and nine kids. How many of you think that might be a little stressful? Not a whole lot uh, you know, resources. And my uh, uncle Les, uh, in high school, had to go to work to help support the family. He not only worked to help bring in money, but he continued to go to school, finished high school, and then he actually went to college and finished college. And several years later, my uncle became a missionary in Ecuador. And it's an amazing story, and I wish I had time to tell you all of his experiences and what he did. But you need to know this, being a missionary in Ecuador is not easy. Being a missionary anywhere is not easy, but certainly a challenging endeavor for them. And the thing I remember the most about my uncle, and I love him and I miss him dearly, is the joy that he had. He did not have an easy life. In fact, I could trade you story for story. Say, well, I can tell you my hardship, and I can tell you hardship that he experienced. He did not have a, an easy life at all, but he experienced great joy. Let me say it again. Of all people on the planet, Christians ought to be the most joyful. 
Well, why is that? Well, to begin with, because we're forgiven. You stop and think about it. I talked with some guy after the first service today, and he said, man, I blew it yesterday. I really failed. I miserably sinned. And it's so good to remember that I am forgiven, that I can walk in forgiveness. Guys, every one of us failed this last week. Some thought, some word, some action, something we shouldn't have done that we did, something we should have done that we didn't do. We are broken vessels on this side of eternity. We're not perfect yet. And yet that would be depressing if that was the end of the story. But the good news is, that we are forgiven and that we can walk in the forgiveness that's ours through Jesus. He paid the price once for all for our sins, for your sins. And that's a great reason for us to walk in joy is because we're forgiven. We also ought to be joyful because we are in relationship, have relationship with the Father. And if you let that simmer in your thinker for a while, that ought to really bring you some joy because you have relationship with the God of the universe, with the creator of everything. The God who made all loves you and, and calls you by name. You're, you matter to him. You're in relationship. And that, again, ought to bring joy to us. Another reason, though, why we can live in joy as Christ followers is that we have this hope because of what Jesus did, because he was raised to, to life after death, that we have this hope and an eternal perspective. And I know you say, well, hope and eternal perspective, that sounds kind of religious or kind of churchy. It's what I expect. But what does that really mean to me? Well, what it means to you, and this is why this matters, is that no matter what you're facing right now, no matter what you're in the midst of right now, this life is not all there is. You want to talk about a reason for joy, is that no matter what your physical, financial, relational struggle you're in right now, and I'm not belittling that or making light of that, but the good news is that's not the end of the story, that this, this life is just a blip on a radar screen, that no matter what we're facing now, we have hope of eternal life with the Father. When writing to Christians in Rome, Paul wrote some words. It was really a prayer for them. And these Christians were experiencing suffering and persecution unlike anything any of us have probably ever experienced. In just a few years after he wrote this, many of them would be burned at, on the, at the stake by the Emperor Nero. And knowing that, and knowing the struggle they were in right, right at the time, Paul wrote these words in Romans 15, 13. It's one of my favorite scripture verses. He said, May the God of hope Fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. Now, don't miss this. His prayers, may you be filled with the God of hope. Fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. And we'll come back to that in a moment. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul's prayer for these people who were suffering and did not have an easy life was, listen, here's my prayer that God, the God of hope, would fill you with all joy, with a joy that can be yours. You see, we love a God who gives us hope for our future no matter what we're in in our present. We're, we live with and have the, the Holy Spirit who lives within us, empowering us to live this life of peace and hearts that, in fact, can overflow with hope for others. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, well, you don't know the hell I'm in right now. You don't know the struggle I'm in. You don't know what I'm facing right now. And you're right, I may not know your story or what struggle you're in, but I do know this. I'm not suggesting you deny the reality of your struggle. I'm not suggesting that you just ignore what's happening. But Jesus, and here's what you need to know. Jesus, knowing the realities of life on this planet, knowing the struggles that we would face, he said this again towards the end, John 16, He said, in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus told them, this is where you're going to find the peace that you need. It's in relationship with me. It's through me. 
And he was honest with them. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. Can I get an amen? Yeah, in this world, they're going to have, Jesus promised them, trouble's coming. It's not always going to be easy, but then he didn't end there. That's not the end of the sentence. He said, but take heart, because I have overcome. I've defeated even death. I have overcome the world. Trouble will come, but we can take heart because Jesus, because of him and our relationship with him. I think gloomy, grumpy Christians, and I've known more than a few, uh, do not represent well the greater reality of the eternal hope that we have in Christ. Uh, Caleb, my grandson, who was up here still in the show, he, um, he loves Winnie the Pooh. Now, you know, he's four now. When he's 14, he probably won't appreciate this story. But he loves Winnie the Pooh, and he sleeps with Winnie the Pooh blanket, which I think is really cool. I wish I had one. Uh, he, he loves the story. It makes him laugh. He's just enthralled with all things Winnie. And one of the things that's kind of a game between Caleb and me is that uh, when he's grumpy or when he doesn't like something, he'll play the role of Eeyore. And if you know, he'll go, oh, mother. And he'll start to mope around and he'll be in a, He broke a candy cane that somebody gave him this morning after the first service. And he came up to me with the two pieces. You can see he was all sad. And, and I can make him smile at me by go, oh, mother. And he starts to smile even though he's sad. Now, I don't know anybody who wants to be grumpy like Eeyore. I mean, I got a picture of him. Who wants to be this guy? <laughs> now, I understand getting stuck in the butt with a pin all the time might make anybody grumpy. And who came up with that game, pin the tail on the donkey? I understand that. But even if you are in difficult circumstances, you're getting stuck in life as a pain in your butt sometimes, the, the Bible says, the, the promise is, you can know joy. Even if by nature you're a more melancholy, you say, well, that's just not my personality. Even if by nature you're a more melancholy person and you're not one of those bubbly people that runs around happy all the time, you can control your attitude. You can't control your circumstances very often, but you can control your attitude. We choose. And joy. Joy is not just feeling good about everything that's happening, but joy in the midst of whatever is happening. In fact, I'm going to give you some very brief, I'll punch through these quickly, definitions for joy. And here's the first one. Joy is the confident assurance that God is in control even when everything seems out of control. It's this confident assurance. And by the way, that's hope. That's hope. Say, so God, I don't, I, don't, I don't know. This is hard. This is, seems completely out of control. But I'm going to place my confident assurance, my hope in you that, that you're in control even when everything seems out of control. It's that place of peace in the eye of the storm. And if you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. That only comes through relationship with God. It's that calmness that believes that God is bigger even in your baddest moments, even in those moments of great pain. Here's another definition for joy. Joy is this firm conviction that I can trust, that you and I can trust his plan and care for us even when I do not understand, even when we don't understand. That we can trust his care for us even when it doesn't make sense, when things just don't add up. And here's the last one. Joy is hope and trust in the face of trials and trouble. Joy is this faith, this hope and trust. Faith in the face of trials and trouble. King Solomon, who hundreds of years before the birth of Christ, uh, was considered the wisest king to ever live, once said this, and it's for some a familiar passage. If you've not heard before, uh, trust me, this is one you're going to want to remember. It's Proverbs 3, 5. Solomon said, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not depend on your own understanding. Trust in God, in the Lord, with everything, with all of your heart, every part of your being. And don't lean, don't depend, don't rest on your ability to figure things out. 
When I talk to people that are gloomy and depressed and frustrated and angry and bitter, almost every time it's because at some level they have gotten frustrated with, I don't know why this is happening. And they demand to have answers for the why. And Solomon wisely said, listen, we're just not going to know. On this side of eternity, the truth is we will not always understand. And the call is to trust in Jesus with everything we are, even when we don't get it. And that is so contrary to our human nature, isn't it? That is so countercultural to the world we live in. People don't tend to trust God, and they demand to understand. And so they can't find their happiness there. You know, a lot of us, we try to find our happiness through basically three ways. And this is, this is so true. In fact, it's true around the world, not just in Western culture in America. But we tend to find happiness or look for happiness in pleasure. We want to feel good. In power. We want to be in control or in our possessions. In stuff, having more stuff. You look, that's generally what people look for and what they want to find happiness. They want pleasure, to feel good. They want power. They want to be in control of something, and they want more. They want possessions. And if and when we don't get what we want when we want it, then we can become very grumpy, and it's not very pretty. In fact, you know, a lot of us as adults are pretty sophisticated about our grumpiness. We not, may not be quite as obvious about it as kids are, but let's watch these kids for a moment and see if you can identify with any of them. It's the worst Christmas I ever had. Now, I'm not suggesting you do that to your kids, okay? Don't, don't, please don't. But we learn fairly early on in life, if we don't get what we want when we want it, that we get grumpy and we're not happy. But perhaps, maybe we've been misled by our cultural definition of joy. Is it possible that true and lasting joy really has nothing to do with material possessions, controlling power, hedonistic pleasure, or even through happy circumstances? St. Augustine once wrote, and I love this quote, he said, humans are created with a God-shaped vacuum that only he can fill. We are restless until we find our completeness in him. We are created with this emptiness. We are created with this, this part that only can be filled by God. And he said, we are restless until we can find our completeness in him. I want to suggest to you today that true joy doesn't come from what you have or what you do or what you're experiencing, whether it's be good or not so good right now. It comes from who you know. You know, I love Christmas for a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons I love it is because it's this opportunity, once a year at least, to recalibrate our thinking. And amidst all the stuff and the activity and the, the gifts and everything that's happening, it's good to be reminded that Christmas ultimately is about a person. It's about who, not all the what. And it's about our eternal hope that we have in relationship with him. When the angel announced in Luke 2, good tidings of great joy, he was referring to a person, to our Savior, who is Christ the Lord. So what do we do? What can we do to remain and to, to live in the joy? Well, in the midst of your crazy, busy lives right now, and maybe in the midst of your dis difficult circumstances, I want to encourage you to hit the pause button at least a few times in the next few days. Hit the pause button and say, you know what, no matter what, my joy is not based on what I get, what happens under, from that Christmas tree or not. My, my joy is found in a person, in Emmanuel, the promise of God with us. One last story, and I'll wrap this up. Years ago, in fact, it seems like a lifetime ago, I worked in banking, First Interstate Bank in downtown L.A. One of the guys I worked with, his name was Harold. 
And Harold was the grumpiest guy I've ever known in, in my life. To this day, I'm not, I've never met anybody just as miserable as Harold. And the thing about Harold is that he, you know, misery loves company, and so he would do everything he could to make everybody around him miserable, and he was really good at it. So people avoided Harold, which only made him more miserable. And what's crazy is Harold had everything that you would want. He had a good job, lots of money, a beautiful wife, good health. In fact, Harold was a stud, but Harold was miserable. Why? Because for Harold, life was about the quest for more, more pleasure, more power, more possessions. And I'm telling you today, that's a miserable way to live, and it's a poor, weak substitute for the joy that we can have through real relationship with Jesus. Bow your heads and pray for you. Father, I thank you that you sent Jesus for us so that we could be in relationship with you. And that when the Bible talks about joy, it, it always comes down to this relationship, knowing you, walking with you, knowing that we can face whatever we face with you because we're not alone. It's not just us, but it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. It's you. You're our joy. And I pray today, Lord, I know some, I've talked to them as they came in this morning, are really in a difficult experience. They've lost jobs. They've lost family. For some of them, Lord, this is the first year they're going through Christmas without a loved one. And I know how painful that is, Jesus. I remember. And yet, Lord, I pray somehow in this moment for those sitting here in this room or watching online that you would turn our focus to you, the one, the source of our joy that we would find it in our relationship, in who you are and who we can be in you. Keep your head bowed and your eyes closed just for a moment. Maybe you're today and you're ready to start your life as a Christ follower. You've been investigating Christianity. You've been looking. And, and now you realize, you know, I, I want that. I want that relationship with God. I want to be forgiven. I want to know that joy. And I'm going to pray a very simple prayer right now. What's important is if you want this prayer to be yours, if you want this to be your truth, and just own these, this, these words, this prayer. Make it personal as I pray it. Father, I come to you admitting that I need a Savior. I'm so grateful that you sent Jesus. I need forgiveness. I need grace. I need your mercy. And so right here, right now, today, I come and surrender my life to you, to the one who surrendered his life for me. And I pray that you would take my heart, my life, my all, as I surrender it to you and that you would fill me with the joy that comes from relationship with the Father through faith, through Jesus. Thank you for embracing and loving me right now, Jesus. I love you. Now, if that's your prayer, that's your heart, your own way to say, yep, God, that's me. It's what I want. That's what I need. And make this Christmas 2014 the very first day of your journey, your journey into eternity as a child of God. Lord, for those that have made that decision right here today, show them what this means and that you're going to continue to walk with them and be that Emmanuel. But Lord, for all of us, remind us today where our joy is found. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to finish with one last song. Again, we're going to bring back joy to the Lord. It seemed fitting that we would finish with joy to the Lord. I love that song. Ushers are going to come. We're going to take our offering now. If you're a guest, please don't feel obligated to give. If this is your church, give to support what God's doing. Uh, take this the time to put those communication cards per request in the bucket as well. But let's give as we worship, sing joy to the Lord, and I'll come back and wrap it up. Hey, a couple of things before you go. Thanks for being here today. I want to encourage you, if you begin your life as a Christ follower, tell somebody. Let me know. Come talk to me. We want to walk with you in this journey. And on the tables, 
Uh, by the doors, there's a white envelope that says for new believers. It's got a Bible, some material to get you starting to walk with Jesus. Please pick one of those up. Also on those tables are lots and lots and lots of these flyers. Uh, walk out here with stacks, guys. I'm telling you, this Christmas Eve is going to be phenomenal. Christmas Adam, 7 o'clock, Tuesday night. Christmas Eve, 4 and 6. Uh, it's going to be phenomenal. We're blending the old and the new in a way that's a visual immersion that's going to blow your mind. So please invite people to come. I promise it'll be great. If you uh, want to help with the adventure land, again, as, maybe as a family you can serve in one and attend another one or work with the Connections team, the ushers, uh, hand out candles and the, uh, the uh, bulletin. Please, Nate and Sarah will be over here. Prayer team will be here. There's a communion available on both sides of the room. And then one last thing I want to do to wrap this up today. I want to do a responsive reading, which is just a reading the scriptures. Uh, and do this as a benediction. Do this as a way of really making this our closing prayer. So Ty, if you'll put that up on the screen. I'm going to read the part that says, Pastor, you the people. And uh, James will read that part with you in the very end. We'll finish it together. Well, let's read this out loud with some boldness. I'll start. The eyes of the Lord are on those who revere him, on those whose hope, there it is, whose hope is in his unfailing love. To deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. We wait and hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. And let's read this last part all together. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Love that passage because it's filled with hope. May you go this week and be filled with the hope of the Lord. God bless you guys. Thanks for being here today. See you Tuesday or Wednesday.